Let me begin with this. Imagine a community of people from every generation and every background following Jesus. Committed to growing and being transformed by him. Continually being filled with God's Holy Spirit and going into their communities and lovingly sharing Jesus in actions and words. This is the kind of church family that we want to become. We've not arrived yet, but we are a church on the way. These are the words that I've put at the start of the vision stuff that we've published. Uh, I hope you've had, managed to have a little read of that on the, on the brand new church website, one week old this week. Um, and we have, uh, we've shaped them in such a way, and I just want to kind of go through some of that stuff with you tonight. So if you like, this is direction setting for, I don't know, the next five, ten years, or who knows how long, until we all get really irritated with this logo and with this phrase. <sighs> what is behind this little phrase, a church on the way? Well, the really obvious one uh, is Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But you might also remember that the early church, the early followers of Jesus were called followers of the way. But there's this other thing as well, that actually uh, we are on the Cotswold Way and so we have all these people come past our front door. No one quite knows how many it is, but at the other end there is a gate that clocks them. It also probably clocks people going into a recreational ground as well. And, and that gate clocks 60,000 people a year. There's a lot of people that pass through this front, pass, literally past our front door. And at the moment, the only hospitality we're showing them is folks that live and work around here kind of going, how are you doing? Have you got two miles left or 98 miles left? And um, the ones that have got two miles left tend not to stop. Um, there's also this sense about this phrase, a church on the way, that we are an unfinished community. That we're on a journey, we know where we're going, but actually we haven't arrived yet. And because of that, it makes it invitational. It means that it's okay for others to come and join in with us on this journey. And that's what we want it to be. But it's also got this uh, little nod of the cap, as it were, to uh, this man called Jack Hayford. How many of you remember uh, Majesty, the song? Come on, give me a wave. Yep, you've all just dated yourselves. Uh, don't worry, you haven't gone out of date. You're all right. Uh, there was this old song uh, that was, you know, it was, it was in the same category as Shine Jesus Shine for a bit, which is, it's just been banned. We're not allowed to sing it because we've overdone it. But it was an amazing song because what it did is it helped us to get into the presence of God. And the man that wrote it was a man called Jack Hayford and he was really key in helping the church to rediscover the presence of God in worship. Not just to be singing songs about God, but actually knowing that he's present with us. And that our worship 
makes us more and more aware of his presence. And his church just happened to be called Church on the Way. So um, it's a little kind of nod to him as well. And it's a way of us saying, and I hope you'll join with me in this, I know you will, of actually that heritage from that stream within the church. We want to take hold of that. Not as something in the past, but as something in this present moment. That we want to take hold of it, learn from it, and actually we want to do that kind of stuff here. So that's a few of the things kind of behind this little phrase, a church on the way. And then there's this uh, logo on top of the All Saints words, on top of the eye. Uh, and different people see different things in it. And uh, I, had to, I had two more this morning. Uh, I should have written them down because I've forgotten them already. Um, of different things that people... Yeah, that was one of them. Um, different things that people see in this. Uh, we, we looked at it and it was, again, it was just, it was invitational somehow. It kind of grabbed us. Uh, one of the things, though, uh, of course, that it, is that it does not look good on this screen, does it? You know, you compare the paper version and, and the one out there, they kind of glow. And they, but, but this one, uh, we need a new projector. This one gets worse and worse by the week. And, and Pat can only go up a ladder so many times uh, to clean it. Uh, it is a little picture, just as an aside, of how you go about a big project. Because we've got a big project, which is the rock project. And we can either talk about buildings, we can either talk about the projector, or we can talk about helping people see so that we can communicate the gospel to them. So that we can share faith with them. And I would love to replace this. In fact, I've asked Gary to price it up already. Not because I want a snazzy new projector, but because I want you to be able to see the words on the screen and I want our guests to be able to see the words on the screen so that we can help to introduce them to the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, sorry, that's an aside. Um, but I'll put those in whenever I can, frankly, because that's what I'm here for. Um, it's invitational. It's got doors that are opening with the light inside growing or the lights bursting out. Uh, some people see it as a lantern. Someone else this morning said it's, it is light exploding out of the building into the community. Um, whatever you see in it, somehow we grabbed hold of it because it was, it was invitational. It said there's more to be discovered. So I hope you find it helpful. And in five years' time, when, you've, when you're starting to find it annoying, well, well, we'll design something else. How have we got to here? Well... What we've done, the process has been really lots and lots of conversations. So, kind of everywhere that I've been, most of the meetings that I've been in and the conversations I've had with people, what I've done is I've, I've dropped into those things where, where we currently are in terms of church vision and thinking. And through that, you then get a lot of feedback and some of the, some of the feedback is, no, 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 that's, 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 not, that's not a good plan. And you go away and you rewrite it. And some of it, you know, people drop in other ideas and so you include those in. Uh, and you do need to know, I, I've wrestled with this because, frankly, I, I wanted it to be a lot more complicated and I wanted it to make us look a lot better and me look a lot better uh, rather than just be three simple words which, quite frankly, are what most church visions are about. But we've landed on this for precisely all of the other reasons which is it's really simple and it does what we're supposed to do as a church family. 
And I think what we need right now is something that's really simple and straightforward. So we've got this little phrase, a church on the way, but we've also got three little words. Following, growing, and going. Following, growing, and going. Simple enough that you can explain it in a minute or under. What are we about? We're, you know, we're a church on the way. We're on a journey. And, we, and we, we're about following Jesus. About growing into the fullness of who he's made us to be as disciples. And, and then he sends us out into the world. I, I think it was about 34 seconds or something. I don't know. You know, it's short enough for us all to kind of get hold of. But actually there's enough in here to keep us going as well for loads of years to come. And then there's this longer little phrase as well. A church on the way following Jesus and making disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit. The following bit, the growing bit, the making disciples and then in the power of the Holy Spirit, the going bit. So what I want to do is just over tonight, just spend um, 15, 20 minutes or so just unpacking those three words, the following, the growing and the going because I want us all to be on the same page on this. And at the end of this evening, I am going to stand you all up and we're going to pray and I'm going to ask you to commit yourselves to this. It's not going to be like a hands up, I'm in, just where you are in the quietness of your own hearts because I'd love us to do this together. And then you've got me for the whole of the rest of this month unpacking some of the rest of it. So let's start with the, uh, with the following element. Um, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I've put this right at the front because I want us to be really clear together. We are a Christian community, a church family and because of that we are focused on Jesus Christ. This is Jesus through whom everything was made. Nothing that has been made was made without him. It was made through him and for him. And he is the one that has left the security of heaven and come to earth as a human being. Walked this earth and then died on a cross for all of our sin. Everything that we've ever done wrong, he paid for on the cross and dealt with it and rose so that we could have life and life in all its fullness. There's no other way to get there other than through Jesus. When he said, I am the way, the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, that's what he meant. There's not another way. And our information, the place where we get our information about this is, it is not some kind of fluffy place we get our information about this from the Word of God, from the Bible. It's about Jesus and we read about him, we discover about him in the Word of God, in the Bible. Of course, we go on to experience him and walk with him and pray and grow in him. But our foundation is the Word of God and nothing else. I wanted to lay that out up front because, you know, sometimes, frankly, we can get a bit wobbly on on the core stuff. And now that we've got it written down, well, we can't. (laughs) So, how does this following connect with us? 
Well, because every single one of us has been invited to follow. You and me. We've been invited to follow. And the wonderful thing about Jesus' invitation to follow for us, if you read Mark chapter 1, verse 17, he says, Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. There's a direct connection between responding to the call to follow him, which is personal for you, and being trained up to catch people. Come and follow me, and what will happen? I'll teach you to fish for people. You can't separate the two. They're right there, 17th verse of Mark's Gospel. And so then you get the shameless plug of what comes next. But actually, part of the reason for framing the vision like this is because I want us to be able to communicate one thing. And so this Alpha is part of this one thing. You know, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you've got people around you who need to be on this Alpha course. Um, I got the office to do a run, of, a run of Alpha leaflets on the back here, on the back table. I think there's hardly any left because most of the two morning services took, I think, all of them. So we'll have to get another. Isn't that great? Um, I, can I tell you why we've done them how, how we have? They've got a white, mostly white back on, the, on this kind of red text side. The idea is you keep some of these in your handbag or if you're a lady or your man bag if you're a man. Um, it's good that, isn't it? Man bag. It's great. Uh, and keep a pen in there as well, okay? Take, take a wad of it. We'll have to do a reprint for next week. And there's enough space on here for you to scribble on the front and post this through a neighbour's door. Dear James, I'd love you to come on Alpha, your neighbour, Mark, and put it through their door. Or you're, or you're meeting someone and you're talking with them on, on the street. And I encourage you to have some of these in your bag and, and, and simply, as you're having that conversation, say, Holy, you know, you don't, don't pray this one out loud, you'll freak them out. Uh, but in your head, simply pray, Holy Spirit, is this an opportunity? Make it clear. And just keep listening to them. And if the Holy Spirit makes it clear, then chat to them about Jesus. Pray with them. Or invite them on an alpha course. And if you do, why not get out a pen and, and scribble their name on here. And, you know, it would be great if you came. Because and, and, then even if they don't go, they'll put it on their fridge and, and it'll annoy them. And then they'll come on the next one. I'm quite happy for people to be annoyed into coming on to Alpha. Um, following. It's us following, but it's also us as a community and as individuals inviting us, others to follow him. You know, that's what we're about. That's what we do. So the next one, um, growing. Jesus says, all authority, this is the end of Matthew's Gospel, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And for this bit, I'm focusing on the making disciples bit, the growing bit. How are we, as a community, going to grow up as disciples? You know, as far as I can tell, there's not a point where growing as a disciple stops and you graduate and go to vicar school or prayer ministry school and suddenly you've arrived and then you stop growing because you know everything. That, that's not how this works. 
we keep on growing as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ. So what we want to do is to, to put in some things just to help us to grow. Okay, there's a whole bunch of things anyway. Sundays, I hope, helps you to grow. Being in a home group helps you to grow. But we wanted to shape something that would just be really intentional and that maybe would do some of the things that we don't get the time to do on a Sunday. So, uh, we've called it the way and the first part is, is simply five habits. And this is what we're going to spend the whole of the rest of September on. Five habits. The, the habit to pray, to read to join, to commit, and to give. And that's giving and living generously rather than just the money. But money is part of it. (laughs) To be praying each day. How are you doing with that? To be reading your Bible, getting into the Word of God. To be part of a small group, joining in something on a regular basis. Here we call them home groups. To be committed to a service. It's not that you can't go to the other ones, but if you're committed to one and you're regularly at that, then maybe people will notice if you don't come for a week or two. But if they think, oh, they're the person that's all over the place, we're not going to miss you for months. And that's not because we're being pastorally ignorant. It's just you're all over the place. Get to one so that you're missed. Because we want to miss you if you're not there. And give, living generously. Yes, finances, but also the kind of person that lives generously where you are. With your work colleagues. That lives generously as part of this community. On projection, or welcome, or operating the sound, or serving in a, ch- in a kids group, or helping with 3TL, whatever it might be. So the first part of the way is these five habits. That's going to be the rest of the September. The second bit, oh, they were up there. Um, the second bit is uh, about offering some training so just once a month and, and honestly we're putting this stuff on um, if this is not going to be helpful for you this kind of stuff don't come freedom okay? but if it's going to be helpful then come there's some stuff here about sharing faith about reading the bible about slowing down about fasting about praying this is the kind of discipline word that I mentioned earlier on Robert, we've got another crackle. It's behind me somewhere. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just stand here and not move. And stop being so charismatic. Um, uh, if you can, if you can uh, come on some of that stuff, we'd love you to come on some of that stuff if it's helpful for you. Um, if you can sign up for that stuff on the web as well for this training, um, we'd, we'd love you to do that. It just kind of helps us with the planning. And when we get to the third one, I, I think I've probably tried to cram too much into the third one. So the title might change and be something even better, which would be great. Um, so what about, the, uh, what about the next bit, the going bit? Well, uh, when I did this picture, by the way, it was in widescreen and it didn't look quite so obvious that this was a view off the Abbey uh, with the glow coming from All Saints. It looks quite nice in widescreen. I, I put it on the student page just to kind of give them a city view. But in this view, it kind of looks like, oh, All Saints, the Kingdom of God is coming. No, that's not how this works. Uh, actually, the church in Bath is great and we quite like each other. The leaders quite like each other. Uh, the people in the church is quite... It's good, and we want to work together. 
Um, The beginning of Acts says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I want to introduce you to this uh, new made-up word, and the made-up word is this, it's co-mission. It's really uh, something just to annoy you over the next few years, okay, Um, and think, why has Mark made up a new word for this? Um, uh, It's the squishing of the Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28, and this and the previous verse about uh, receiving the Holy Spirit. But it's also the end of Matthew 28, where Jesus says, I'll be with you always. You see, the problem is, is that so often J- Jesus says, go and do this thing, and we're like, hey, yeah, great, I've got that now, and we go off and do the thing that Jesus has asked us to do, and we forget that actually we're supposed to do it with him. We're supposed to do it with him. And the, the amazing, surprising thing is, is that when we join in and do it with him, what we find is, if we go, he's got there first. And all we've got to do is join in with him. This is the great co-mission. We get to co-labour with the King of Kings, full of his Holy Spirit. We carry the presence and the power of Jesus with us and we bump into the presence and the power of Jesus when we meet him in these new places. So this is a word that we're going to kind of bat around, mainly just to wind you all up and get you to think what mission is about and what it's like to work with the King of Kings. How many of you, there is a problem, uh, which I'm now going to highlight. How many of you have seen this picture before? Just give me a wave. Uh, A few of you, so you'll know what I'm going to say next. Uh, this is a uh, river and a bridge in Honduras and uh, it's a great bridge. Um, the problem was, was that Hurricane Mitch came along and overnight the course of the river changed. So they woke up and suddenly the bridge was in the wrong place. So actually it's no longer a bridge, it's a road because it doesn't go over anything apart from some dry land. Uh, rubbish bridge no good to anyone at all this is a bridge that has moved and what we have had in our culture is a massive cultural shift over the last 80 however many years you want to say it can, you could track it as going as far back as the disappointment at the end of World War 2 and the pain that our communities lived in in that period. You could track it to the 60s where everyone discovered free love and it was amazing because we didn't have to do the things that we were told to do anymore. You could track it to uh, the rise of uh, the, the banks and Margaret Thatcher and Porsches in the 80s and that wealth and opulence of, come on, we can do anything! or the rise of the internet and being able to get information, or more recently of social media and being able to connect with anyone and any particular group that thought the same things as you. Wherever you think it started, there has been this massive shift. And our culture thinks differently than how it used to. Everyone has their own unique version of what is true for them, and because it's true for them, it must be true. 
and you can do what you like with who you like and it doesn't matter as long as it's true for me. And we, the church, are still in the same place, doing the same things that we used to do, speaking the same language. And they're going, what? I can't hear you, I I don't understand. You know, I've got got some friends of mine who have gone to Guatemala to plant a church. They're spending the first year, at least, just learning the language. Because if they can't speak the language, how can they even begin to explain the things of faith? How can they begin to work with the most important people, which will be the guys on the ground who are indigenous to that place? so that they can give it away properly. They've got to learn the language. Folks, we've got some language to learn. You know, let me, I'm only going to drop in one thing about the language, about how we can do these things differently, uh, and it's this. I've mentioned it a load of times before, but it's that people, more often than not, there's still lots of folks that need to be persuaded into Jesus, be persuaded of the truth. Okay, and they need that rational set of arguments. I'm going to believe once I've got this, this and this. But actually, for lots of people in our culture, it simply doesn't work like that. No amount of persuading is going to get them there. What they need is an experience. Because the experience trumps their own personal truth. And you know, that gives us all the cards. Because the Holy Spirit longs for people to experience who God is. Longs to show people the Father. And so you can listen to someone and then you can pray for them without having explained the Gospel, without them having come to faith, and in that moment they can experience the presence of the living God. And when their head comes up and they're crying, as I've seen so often, you can then say, how are you doing? And they say, what was all that about? And you say, oh, you've just met a friend of mine. He's called the Holy Spirit. Can I also introduce you to Jesus? When Jesus does it, when he leads, honestly, it's not complicated. When we try and do it, well, when I try and do it, honestly, mostly it is. Let's join in with him, shall we? And I pray that as we do this, as we respond to the call of God to go, that what we'll do is we'll make a difference in the world. That we'll transform the streets that we live in, the places that we work, the whole of this area will be different because we've chosen to follow Jesus. We've chosen to grow as his disciples. That we've chosen to be obedient to his call to go. So, Mark... Nice words, what's the strategy? Well, you know, there is a bigger strategy that's going on underneath this and, and the PCC and various people are going to get that stuff and, and as it's, you know, I was hoping to give them more by tomorrow night, I've not quite got there yet, we've done this end of it. As that stuff, as that stuff comes out, if you want to read that stuff, you can read it, it'd be great. But I need you to know what the primary strategy is. The primary strategy is the same as it's always been since Jesus called people to follow him. The primary strategy is you and me. And what he's done is he's placed you and me 
all over this area. Each dot on the map is a postcode where an individual or a group of people live. You can see that the reach of this church family is really broad. You know, I, I clicked on the dots that were furthest out to kind of go, is this just a random address? Or is there actually someone in the church family who lives out there? I, I've checked all the widest ones. There's real people that live there. <laughs> and they come. One of them's here tonight. There's a few others. like clock as well. You know, the reach is broad. The strategy is simple. God's strategy for growth is you and me. Beyond anything else. Let's drill down a little bit and see a bit more detail. This is what uh, the, kind of the folks that live a bit closer look like in terms of dots on the map, postcards, uh, post uh, codes again. And the church database is about 300 adults who call this place home and about 146 uh, children and youth. Uh, some of those children and youth are folks that come to youth groups here and such like, but on a Sunday they worship somewhere else, so the 146 number is a little bit lower. Uh, Sunday, average Sunday attendance is about 264 at the moment. Uh, I, I made sure I was clear on the data for Chris this morning, who was in at the 9 o'clock. This is from the 1st of January to about the 9th of July this year, because if you included the summer, that number would go down just a little bit. Um, 264 people. We are the strategy for what God wants to do in this area. You and me. Three little things just to make it sink home, I hope. Any outreach plan has got to have three elements to it. Any kind of going plan. It's got to have a relational starting point. That's you and me connected with others. It's got to be loving. We, we can't get away anymore with bashing people over the head with what we've decided is the truth. I mean, I know it's the truth. Jesus said he's the way, the truth and the life. But the problem is they're all holding trump cards that say, ah, but I've got truth. So it doesn't go anywhere. We have to be loving. And sometimes that might mean listening before we speak. Listening before we speak. Relational, loving, also organised. Yes, there'll be some things that we plan to do. But you know what? The thing that I want to plan to do first is release all of us to do the things that God has called us to do. Because anything else is just icing on the cake. It starts with you and me. And you know what? I believe that the Lord wants to add to our number. Because that's what he does. I believe he wants to add to our number. So, what might the number be? What might the number be? You know, we, we talked about it. I've talked about it with lots of folks. And we talked about it at staff meeting. And we decided to take the number out because we kind of thought, well, maybe the number wouldn't be helpful. And then we talked about it at the PCC. That's like the church council. And the PCC, uh, some of the PCC, not all of them, were really clear that we needed the number back in. And so, having thought the number needs to be back in, we said, well, how big should the number be or how small should the number be? And I was really mean to them. I said, let's go through the comfort barrier, shall we? You know, uh, do you want the church to be a hundred people? Well, well, no, Mark, because that's smaller than it is now. 
We wanted to be bigger. Okay. So we went up and up until the discomfort level in the room got to the point where the hands had raised and then I added a bit. <laughs> um, and we landed up with this number. 750 people as an average Sunday attendance. Wouldn't it be great for all saints to be a church of 750 people? It'd be great if it was bigger than that, actually. But wouldn't it be great if there were 750 people? Why do I think it would be great? Not because I think it would be more comfortable. Frankly, it would be less comfortable. Especially if you've been here a long time. It would be less. The reason I think it would be great is because Jesus died on the cross once for all. That means he died for all 7,000 people that live in Weston. And every single person that lives in Bath. Every single student, every single person that is single or married, every single person that is loaded and every single person that is at the bottom of the pile and has lost everything. Every single one of us. So 750, frankly, is, is a number just enough to make us uncomfortable and help us to think differently. I don't want to set it as a target some of the things we do along the way we can set as targets but you know if the Lord wants to do this well then we give the Lord the credit it might look like 150 at the 9 o'clock it might look like 350 at the 11 o'clock it might look like 250 at this service you know I'd love there to be 250 at this service for there to be 250 at this service that would mean there would need to be at least 75 young people average Sunday attendance. That would mean the church family would need to be a thousand. Folks, at that point, we're going to be desperate to give people away. <laughs> How are we going to do this? Well, folks, I think the first thing we need to do is we need to get ready to grow. Okay, the number's there really to irritate us so that we we organise things and we structure things so that they are bigger rather than comfortable as we are now. You know, and if we structure things so that there's space to grow, you know what? I think God's faithful. And I think he'll do it. I don't know when he'll do it, but I think he'll do it. We need to get ready to grow. And then the other two things which I've already touched on, we need to make the way clear. So this is both to, to make the way, this pathway of discipleship. So we're really clear about helping people to engage in habits of a lifetime, but also training them up. But it's also where there are things that get in the way, then getting them out of the way. Making the way clear. And lastly, starting right where we are, with the networks that we have, with the people that we know with the places where we live and work. And then reaching out in hospitality that, that, to those that come past our door. And so folks, what I want to do is I want to land now with a, with a question for you. And this question you need to know is not about me. It's not about all saints. It's not even about the Church of England. You know, 
we, we've decided as a family. We've decided that this is what we want to do. This is why we're here. There's this little verse in Joshua. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You know, this means that we haven't arrived. We want to learn on this too. I want my house to be overflowing with the presence of God. So that my neighbours knock on the door and go, what's going on in your house? I go, sorry, do we have the music too loud? And they go, no, something's happening. You have to tell me about Jesus. And I go, okay. You know that happens? I want my house to be like that. And so... I want to ask you a question and the question is this. I'm going to say it twice. Will you commit yourselves to following Jesus and making disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit? Will you commit yourselves to following Jesus and making disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit? You know, if we do this together, if we respond to the call of Jesus in this generation, I think the hurting world will know. We'll be agents of change and transformation in a broken world. If we do this together, I think we'll become a church on the way.